What would you do if your child was diagnosed with a serious health condition? Find out what Dr. Deanna Hancock-Johnson did when her daughter was diagnosed with diabetes at the age of three. Dr. Deanna is a certified life coach and psychologist. She's also a speaker and author. She holds a doctorate in education in counseling, psychology, and a master's of science in human development and family studies from Iowa State University. Her undergraduate degree was in psychology and sociology from the University of Oregon, and she is the author of the book, Where Did My Half-Brother Come From?, as well as Be Your Own Life Coach, How to Coach Yourself into What You Want. Join us today in welcoming Dr. Deanna to the show for part one of this series of two podcasts that will help us understand what to do if our child is given a serious health diagnosis. Thank you so much, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Teaching Your Toddler show today. Today we have Dr. Deanna Hancock-Johnson to speak to us about her experience as a mom with a child that had a specific medical diagnosis and how her family dealt with that. But first, Dr. Deanna, thank you so much for joining us. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I am a mother first, <laughs> wife. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a psychologist. I have two books out, one called Be Your Own Life Coach, and the other is Where Did My Half Brother Come From? I'm also a motivational speaker and a life coach. I live out here in Los Angeles. My daughter and I do have a podcast as well that is called Talking Toddlers with Type 1 Diabetes, and we are trying to um, you know, be a sounding board for other people and other families who have been going through the same thing and don't know what to do and how to deal with their diagnosis when they're diagnosed. And so right now we're just trying to, you know, let everyone know this is who we are. I've also came out with the first pocket underwear that, well, I'll say the first underwear that is designed with a pocket to help those who are diabetic and who wear an insulin pump. So that's called the Pocket Underwear Company. And um, you can find out more about that at donatepuc.com. Other than that, um, everything else is good. I mean, we're just trying to really just get ourselves out there and let people understand that we know what you're going through. We know what this is like and that, you know, there is a mom and a daughter or a parent and a child that is going through the same thing and can be here for you. Wow, that's amazing. You have a lot going on. And I I had not heard about that, uh, that underwear with the pump. That's, that's really great. I'm sure that that's got to be a stigma. Let's talk about that in a second. But first, so your daughter was actually uh, diagnosed as a toddler. How old is she now? You know what, yesterday was her birthday. She turned seven years old. She was diagnosed at three. And that was so hard because when she was diagnosed, she didn't know the signs of what it meant to go have her sugar go low or her sugar go high. So we had to learn these things and learn the cues from her and I had to, you know, check in and ask her a lot of questions. But it was really, really hard at that time. Oh, yeah. Three years old. I mean, you don't know if they're just having a temper tantrum, right? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And type one, you know, sometimes the kids want certain things that they can't have. And that was also hard for us because they would say she can eat whatever she wants when you are diagnosed as a toddler because they didn't want to have to make them pick foods. And the biggest thing is they needed to just eat and we just needed to give them insulin. And I didn't understand that because I felt like, why wouldn't we just give them insulin when we should just give them basically what it is they can have that is healthy so that they can stay within the parameters of their sugar levels. Right. And so she is insulin dependent. She is insulin dependent 24 seven. Yes. And it took a while before she was able to get her insulin pump because in the beginning you are 
pricking her fingers. You are actually, you know, giving her tons of needles in her legs and you're doing this all day, especially for a little kid who just eats like all day when that's what they were used to. She had a normal lifestyle before then. I mean, she was going to daycare and, you know, all the stuff was great, like just like your normal toddler. And then when she was diagnosed, the daycare didn't want to learn. They didn't want to take the time to have people come and train them. And they pretty much kind of kicked her out of the center. Uh Um, And so I had to cut everything out of my life to help her, you know, to, to help her live and survive. And I knew that, you know, I didn't have a problem with that because as a parent, you're like, you know, I'll do whatever I got to do for my babies, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that was the thing for me. It was not, I don't mind having to do what I have to do. And I don't mind if I have to leave work, but the struggle became real after that because of the fact that when you make that type of decision and you're used to having a paycheck 24 seven, you have to do what's best for your family. But yet at the same time, financially, that decision may not be the best thing for your family. Absolutely. However, I can tell you, my daughter is very happy, healthy, and, you know, doing really good at this point. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's got to be such a tough decision as a family to to decide to do that. But like you said, I mean, how, what alternatives do you have, right? I mean, there's, no, there's exactly. limited, and, you know. Right. And I live here in California and I don't have any family out here because we came here to work in the industry. Um, I'm also a celebrity life coach that works with um, people in the industry. And so with that said, it's no way to really combat that with trying to deal with a diagnosis. We didn't know this was going to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, how, how, what was sort of your thought process as you sort of realized that this was something that you were going to have to sort of deal with for her whole childhood and certainly for her whole life? You know, one of the things that I have, you know, talking about like this happening, dealing with it as a fear is that you don't want her to lose her life. You want to be there for her every step of the way. And I am pretty much the only person that can really be there for her outside of her dad who when he's not working but I'm the only person that can really be there for her to teach her what she needs to do and know and to have to teach someone else that that doesn't have an interest that's a fear you know someone that you she can't go to a regular school she can't go to um, another daycare unless you have somebody that is there and most of the schools where I live don't have a nurse so it's a fear of sending her out to school and other places where I really want her to go because mm-hmm. I want her to have a normal lifestyle and feel normal now that we have adjusted three years later, mm-hmm. you know, almost well, four years, almost four years later. And we have adjusted that at this point, you know, you don't want to stop her from living her life and knowing that she can get through this, but you can't also send her to a school or facility and no one's there to help take care of her. Even though she's uh, just turned seven, she still has to be told what to put in her pump, when to put it in. She knows that there is, you have to eat, you have to get insulin. Mm -hmm. She knows that. So I have like a rule, like no food, no insulin or no insulin, no food, you know? Mm-hmm. And so from there I go into that place and I just tell her, I say, look, you have to eat. And she knows that too. So she knows when she goes out and if she's with a friend and before we couldn't leave her with friends, right? Still to this day, she can't stay overnight with anybody. So mm-hmm. I have fears that she won't feel like she's living a normal life and that she will feel some type of way about being diagnosed when it's mm-hmm. not nothing you can really do about that, mm-hmm. you know? And one of the things is, you know, at the same time of your child's fears, you know, you check their emotions before you check your own. Yes. And I would say that we can deal with a lot more these days than our kids. And if we don't check in with them, then there's other things that will kind of lead them into a different perspective. Like they have a lot of resources and stuff. So it's important for the parents to check, help your child get through their emotions themselves first before you can even 
think about what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Right. And I guess that's for any mother, you know, in any circumstances, not just with fear. It's just like if something's wrong with your kid, you're going to go all the way to make sure that they're good before yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, right. Well, it sounds like she's sort of evolving and and certainly as she gets older, she'll she'll be able to um, take care of those things. But it's got to be really hard right now. Well, so is she in first grade? She's actually in second grade okay. and um, things are starting to change a little bit. As she knows more, it's easier for me to feel comfortable with her around other people. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually have also a YouTube channel where I talk about on there what it's like the first time she went to daycare. Then I gave a update on how they kicked her out. And then I gave an update on how she found a new daycare, you know, and then mm-hmm. on my podcast, Talking Talks with Type 1, I have also um, an episode that was just released, The Fears of a Diabetic Mama, because there's so many things that we think about and it gets better, but it just doesn't feel like it's going to get as good as you want it to be until she's probably much older and she can take over what I'm doing for her. Mm-hmm. So yes, it's still pretty tough. It really mm-hmm. is hard because no one understands what she's going through. Right. She's starting to understand what she's going through, but she didn't understand what she was going through at first either. And as her parent, like I just, when I had to jump into it, I just jump into it. We created a documentary for her on donatepuc.com because her documentary shows how it was so depressing to get out of the bed once she was diagnosed. And it took me maybe four or five hours that first day home to try to really figure out what's going on and how mm-hmm. to get this, like how to put one foot in front of the other. You know, when we found out she was at the hospital for almost a week and they would not release us until we were trained up good enough and everything. But I talk about all that in the documentary about how the uh, life was before, once it happened and what we've been doing since. Cause my daughter also works in the entertainment industry and she has um, quite a bit going on. Like she's right now, um, on Nike's website, she's on Disney website, um, she's in the stores of Marshalls, and um, she's also doing another shoot. And so she's really good at, she loves the camera, but that was her life before this. She was mm-hmm. working since she was nine months old. Oh so my it's goodness. nothing new. But I wanted her to continue to work because the day we found out she was diagnosed, she was getting booked for a job. And I said, you know what, Lord, I guess you want me to continue this with her oh. to show her she can still be who she wants to be. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That sounds amazing. Uh, and we will absolutely make sure that we have the um, the links there. It, I'm guessing that your YouTube channel is linked on the drdiana.com website? I believe so, yes. Okay. And if well, not, we can also um, look at it. I'm Dr. Diana Life Coach on all social media platforms. Anyway. Perfect. Okay, great, great. Awesome. We will uh, we'll make sure that that's in the show notes so that the listeners can connect there. So tell us a little bit about once you did have that diagnosis, how, how did you sort of like tell your friends and family what was happening? You know, it's so important to create a system and create a system with your family too, within your home and stuff like that. I feel like, you know, part of getting through this, I use my motto ULA, which is understanding it, living and living with it and accepting it. And you go through the process of dealing with that first at home. And then you share, I think that took maybe a week before I started to share with my siblings who were my closest at the time. Um, my mom had already known the day of because I had already called her and said, well, mom, they're saying I got to take her to the hospital, da, da, da. Um, I think I told my aunt within the same day as well because those are the two that's closest to me. So I ended up telling um, 
them early on. I think my mom was like the main person right then and there. So she was walking with me through the process through the whole time. Everyone else kind of, I was just keeping up to date within days. Matter of fact, it was my aunt that I told a little later. So I think sometimes when you get information, you have to learn how to understand it yourself first. You got to go through the what ifs, what mm -hmm. is, what is, this didn't happen. Um, what is it now? How do I deal with it? How do I, you know, you talk about it and you create all of this stuff in your mind of what it looks like to share with other people. Mm -hmm. And then you learn to live with it. You educate yourself. You go through the emotions of how to live with what it is that you're diagnosed with. And then once you start to accept it, you can begin to love yourself, forgive yourself, excuse yourself from feeling sad, and then dismiss yourself from not feeling the things that you think you should be feeling. Because whatever you're feeling is accurate, you know, and appropriate for the moment. So I felt like I went through all of that first, which was dealing with the changes in my lifestyle before I actually told my friends and family. Mm -hmm. But I felt like it was time to create a system of this is what's going on. And then I, I'll be honest with you, for a long time, for about a year, I couldn't even talk about it with anybody outside of them. Mm. And then when I talked to my family, it was limited talking because I still was learning. Mm -hmm. A lot of it, I didn't know. I didn't have the questions um, answered that they were asking me. Um, and I just felt like I had to continue to get through this right now, because this is such a diagnosis that needs a right now thing where you have to learn and jump into it right now. And so I felt I had to be what I had to be for my daughter every single moment of the day. Mm -hmm. And I had to tackle this head on and learn everything that I could about it. Because after going through the crying in the hospital, I eventually snapped out of it and said, what, what is it I need to know? Go ahead and tell me. Tell me everything. One of was that I wanted to get out of the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, tell me what I need to know. We've been here almost a week. But, you know, I just feel like I wouldn't also share with people that I felt like was already a negative people in my life beforehand or not so much in my life but people that you knew you were associated with and they were always negative because that's not the type of support you need right now you need a positive support system you need to create a support system of who's the best set of people to talk to when you are down when you mm -hmm. are going through this and I think I just didn't rely on that a lot in the beginning because I wanted to get it first and so whatever works for the mom or the parent go for it because you need to be who you can be for your child in that moment. Mm -hmm. And so everything else may not work. You may not be able to do all these other things that you used to do the day before. Like literally the day before we were in the store and my daughter was like, Oh, I want a piece of chocolate. And I'm like, okay, you know, sugar. right. The week after when we came home, she was in the same store. And I said, Oh my God, it's so crazy how things have changed within this short period of time. Mm -hmm. She asked for that same piece of chocolate. And I said, well, you know, you can't have that. She said, well, no, you, you know, you got to give me a needle. So another thing was like speaking about it in public. Mm. That was another thing. Like, what's the right terminology for a toddler to speak? You know what I mean? Mm. Some kids younger than her are diagnosed. What do you do with these babies that are diagnosed still in pampers? You know, like that was a fear of me having another kid after having her mm -hmm. because of the fact that I was afraid of dealing with the same thing again. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't want to go through that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that. That's got to be really hard. I, I th Maybe this is a strange question, but did you sort of feel yourself like ranking how you were going to tell people like, okay, this group of people gets to hear it first, then this pre people, these are the people I don't want to share with yet. Like, did you, did you kind of have that thought process, I guess? You know, that's a good question. I feel like I didn't rank them, but I knew 
who would know first and who wouldn't. Mm. You got to remember. So my mom was with me through the process because I had already shared with her what was going on the day of the moment that it was happening. So she was with me the whole time. Mm -hmm. Um, My dad has passed away from diabetes as well. And so this was a sore subject for me. And I Mm. really was like losing my mind when she found out. I'm like, how can a kid get this? I didn't even think it was possible. Mm -hmm. And I talk about that in the documentary too, because I talk about how I just thought this was something that maybe just adults get. I didn't Mm -hmm. know nothing about type one or, you know, Mm -hmm. I knew my dad was type two. But okay. I feel like all his symptoms and things that he had, what he was going through, reminds me of everything I'm going through with my daughter. So if I could get any sound and advice, it would be so amazing to have that from my dad to this day. But, you know, moving forward. So I spoke to my mom all the time. My other relatives, I slowly but surely told them as I felt comfortable to do mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Because you know people in your life that are going to ask certain questions that you may not have. Or you know people in your life that either care or don't care. Mm-hmm. So the ones that you already felt wasn't in your life and just want to know what's going on or whatever. I didn't really think about sharing anything with them. If they heard, it would be from someone else. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really rank. But I think in a sense, I did because of the fact that I knew who to tell and who not to tell right now, who, mm-hmm. who I could deal with. I needed your support. And me being a strong person as I am, I've always been a support system for other people. That this time, it was really hard, I think, for some of my siblings to, to see that I needed support, that mm-hmm. I go through things too. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just... It's just a process that you really have to see what does that look like before you start telling people. So if that means to rank them, that will probably be a good idea, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know that's a, it's a strange question, and I'm so sorry to hear about your father. Um, but I, I I mean, I guess just from personal experience, I had a, I had sort of a diagnosis uh, about five years ago. Same thing. And, and where it was like, oh, you know, who am I going to mm. tell? Who do I lean on? Who, you know, because you know, like mm-hmm. you're right, mm-hmm. you're, you get used to being the the strong one. Uh, and then you suddenly you're the one that needs the, the help, right. Then you need yes. people to help, help you. And it, it's, it can be hard to ask for that help. Right. Yep. Yep. It is. It can be. That was a hard time for me because I felt like I got to get through this. I'm in me being in California and my family on the East coast. I got to get through this. I have to do what I got to do right now for my baby. I will discuss this with whoever I can when I can. That's Mm -hmm. just how I looked at it. And I think that's important for the parents to do because for your mental space, you got to do what's good for your kid. Most of the time, we're not good until our kids are good. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you have to follow that process through everything you go through. You know, um, try not to be too over the top during the time that you get diagnosed. But, you know, it's hard sometimes. It really Mm -hmm. is. And I just need to be who I'm supposed to be at that moment for my children. That concludes part one of our interview with Dr. Deanna Hancock-Johnson about how to deal with a serious health diagnosis for your child. Make sure and check out part two to hear the rest of the story. Remember to find us on your favorite platform, either Facebook or Instagram or our website, teachingyourtoddler.com.